Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Stop That's dying. what they do. Yes. We gotta do. We gotta, you know, we had to vent the other day, and I was thinking about this. If all the headache it was and all it was to get everyone together and everybody volunteer and everybody do that and all the cost of doing it and the Narcan and blah, 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 it was weeks in the planning. A lot of people worked really hard to make that go so well. If one person, think about it, if one person gets saved by that Narcan we gave out it's the other it. day, it's worth it a thousand, thousand times, times more. Yeah. So right? easy on our part to go and have fun and just spread the word. It's hard to get everyone together, Mike. Come on. <laughs> well, for us, I mean, for you, it was probably a little. It was a perfect use of pull. As as social influencers, you guys really <laughs> used your social influencing because it was a rainy freaking day. And you know, it was, it was actually Elijah who said, "It's a good thing it's raining; otherwise, we wouldn't have been we wouldn't have had room for everybody that would have showed up right. here today." He, and it's he, just, he, just, he said that to me too. And I was just like, "Yeah, you know, I I like that kind of thinking." And and there was a wonderful DJ, and she's going to start working at Aloe, so everything everything went good. And now this is our Christmas episode because I. You know, Mike wanted to do a Christmas episode. That's right, honestly, I did. and so because he's Amish. So, so <laughs> and, and don't die tradition. We have no prep. We didn't talk about it. We didn't do anything. So we're just going to call Keith Morris's home phone number mm. and, and see if he hope for the best <laughs> because <laughs> Keith doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't have a cell. You can't text him. If you email him, he emails you back like four days later. So there's yes. no getting. Oh, no, he emails me back right away. And I don't Keith know. He must not <laughs> must not like you. Keith has some darn good Christmas stories too. Let's he call does. him. Let's call him now. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's phone. Keith, man, Michael what are you doing? Mark. Wait, hold on. It's getting confusing here. Hey, man. What did you just do, Mike? I uh, just, uh, <laughs> Anyways, just called Keith. We're so. calling you, Keith, to sing this song to you. And we're Chestnuts gonna... roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost yeah, we were hoping you'd sing along. Yuletide no. carols being sung by choirs. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows. Some turkey and some mistletoe. <laughs> Come on, keep singing. It's okay, Christmas you time. Uh, <laughs> you, want to, you want me to sing along with, with that? I, yeah. I, I, stinky toes and runny nose. And, yeah. Right on, man. Though it's been yeah. said many times. So what are you guys doing? So this is your, your are, you, are, are you actually recording this? Yes, we're doing our Don't Die Christmas special, and you're the big guest. Okay, just call me out of the blue and expect me to, you know, spend half an hour to talk to you guys. <laughs> well, they, they said pretty much if if uh, Bob clapped, you'd dance. <laughs> wow. It's your fucking producer speaking. It's your producer speaking. Did, did I, hey, did Keith. I stir up some shit here? Hey, Keith. Way to go, hey, Keith, Keith Morris. Tell a story again about 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 out when we were shooting the when we were shooting the vodka because that was okay. pretty damn good. <laughs> Jeffrey's mom's house <laughs> out in Northridge and on Christmas on Christmas like uh, early early Christmas morning <laughs> like uh, late Christmas Eve Be early Christmas like morning. three o'clock in the morning well, because well, all none of, the of relatives, us all of the relatives are sleeping so uh, Jeffrey and Mike got to get their thing going on. Oh my God! I can't believe you remembered that. And they were. How can I forget? Well, I don't know. Did they cook the vodka? No, 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 no. You just, you just, you just pull it in and then go, man. It's like you can do one fifty-one, and you can taste it. And, you can just you know, go straight do. out of the bottle. You yeah. Don't, I see. Yeah. I, I, I'm. And Jeffrey had this vodka. It was Jeffrey's idea. <laughs> Oh, no, we're going to blame, blame the him. Dead. The blame one guy the who dead. can't defend himself. Uh, I went along. I well, went along. I so. want to know what he was thinking inviting Mike Mart and Keith Morris to his mom's house <laughs> for Christmas. Uh, for Christmas. <laughs> They're going gonna to have a uh, wing day. He was just having a Christmas party. Yeah, <laughs> man. We were just left over from Christmas Eve, I think. 
Or we had had some show or something, but none of us had any places to go. We none of us <laughs> really had, you know. Yeah, we were just. Uh, I, I I don't think Jeffrey was still my roommate at the time. Maybe he was. Yeah. Uh, I I don't remember. This would have been like eighty one or something. When was this? Oh, who knows. I don't know. My, Keith knows. What year was it, Keith? Keith has a, <laughs> Keith has a far <laughs> better memory than I do. Uh, I, I'm the wrong guy to. I'm no. the wrong guy to be asking that. Well, that then there, there was the Christmas that we had. There was another Christmas that's the most important Christmas of my life. You know, up until that time was the Christmas of 1996. I was six months sober. No, nine months sober. Keith came over. It was Elijah, my son, Max, my girlfriend at the time. Keith and I had the greatest Christmas ever. I'll never forget it. Do you remember that, Keith, on Vendome Street? Um, that was with Max. Yeah, Max and Elijah was sleeping in the closet. We had a one-bedroom apartment, but a really big walk-in closet. So we just said, that's your bedroom. <laughs> and, we, okay. and we put a TV in it. We put a TV you, in it. You know what? That space was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was you know, cool. Right there off of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, it's probably now 3,000 You know, you were right bucks. in the heart of all of it. Yeah, but that you was... Know, as, as Silver Lake was booming. As Silver Lake was on fire. Remember Campbell used to always oh, say? Geez. Silver Lake is on fire. Who's it's Campbell? Oh, Space Cam- Land and all of the bands. <laughs> Campbell was the greatest guy. We worked with him at Millie's, and he was kind of cynical, and he hated that Silver Lake was becoming popular, and he would see the hipsters coming into, into Millie's, and he would say, Silver Lake is on fire. Because <laughs> because the LA Times had had an article that saying that Silver Lake was on fire with all the bands coming out of Silver Lake. Mm. It was in the... <laughs> calendar section <laughs> silver lake on is on fire page. oh my it god was mitchell frank <laughs> yeah and, and charlie and and nick from pop defect pop defect and yeah and um, then it was on fire see here's the thing here's the thing about silver lake being on fire Silver Lake was, the Beastie Boys lived there before it was so famously Silver Lake. And Beck is from there. His mom had a thrift store right across the street from Millie's. So they become these big successes, whatever. And so then all these millions of bands came that were never successful, but Silver Lake was on fire. <laughs> well, they read it in the calendar. It was in flames. <laughs> it was oh charred rubble. So, so it was still that a time you so could funny. get a one-bedroom apartment for $460 a month, utilities included. That's not possible anymore. Nope. But no, so, not even close. Keith, what was, what's your favorite Christmas? My favorite Christmas. Oh, my favorite Christmas? Yeah. My, uh, my mom's twin sister... Uh, my aunt Lorena. I've met her. This was this was the uh, the Christmas of 1963. Oh my God! She's nice. You were eight and years old. You were eight years old. At, at midnight, I was watching the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. <laughs> yeah. Is that even a movie? <laughs> yes. yes. You've never seen it. And what is that score on the zero to negative nine scale of Mr. Keith Morris? Um, well, the the big deal is is that I still have the Dr. Seuss book that she gave me. Oh, I'm wow. I ran Christmas. the zoo. I, I still have it in my book collection. Oh, that is great. That, that's that's funny. I, I work with a guy who goes, he saw a picture I posted of you and uh, Elvis and... Um, Bob, who I'm looking at, uh, and he goes, you know that Keith Morris, he's got a hell of a t-shirt collection. I'd love to get my hands on it. Yeah, what were you wearing the other day, Keith? It was I forget. Let me look at it. Oh, he was wearing a Raiders thing. Oh, the L.A. Raiders shirt. You, you know, Keith, uh, you, yeah, you could sell that on eBay for like $250. You know that. Nobody's that small. Sweatshirt? One of those rappers would buy that for 250 bucks. <laughs> It would have to be rapper small. But, <laughs> There's but, a lot of small rappers these days. Why Why does he think you have a massive t-shirt collection? Oh, my God. He does. Does he? Keith? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, he does. I, I, I probably have a couple of hundred t-shirts. And got some classics. Do you have... Hey, I wondered... Here's another thing. Do you have, like, original Black Flag or the original Circle Jerk Skanker Dude t-shirts? No. 
Oh, shit, because they're worth like $1,000. And Bob was going to sell them for you. <laughs> well, well, we could get we'll split the money 50-50. We could get because I some, have an eBay account. It'd be totally but we could get some vintage up and up. Fruit of the Loom distressed shirts. No, that's print what our, them our and friend, sell them. No, saying they came friend, from Keith. Our friend already does that. They do the oh. Sex Pistols cowboy thing and they tear them and act like they're old. And so they're I was old. going through a whole bunch of old flyers, Keith, and I found a black flag Pettibone art flyer right it was in like and he pristine. put it on ebay no i was like well, I wonder, yeah. you know i may have to throw all this crap away and then i looked oh, maybe it's worth something and it's like three hundred dollars for, for the a damn flyer for a flyer to get jeez. Oh, yes they're getting that kind of money for them now well it is petty bone art too so i guess you got to figure in that you know there's yep. a there's another around the holidays when Dead Hippie opened for Circle Jerks at my club when I was in college. We played with Dead Hippie. Yeah, Dead Funeral Hippie. Did. Oh yeah, right around that same time. Yeah. And I did the flyer by hand myself. And remember, Keith, we cut out a picture of Karen Carpenter and we taped it on, and then we went to the Xerox thing and made this flyer. Me and Keith for the Circle Jerks and Dead Hippie at my club called After Everything Else. I'm cruising eBay one night, and I see the flyer for $40. And I'm like, hmm. I'm going to buy that bitch. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I did. It's somewhere here in the house, somewhere. No way. There's a dead hippie circle jerks flyer. Somewhere. Was she the dead hippie? What was the Karen Carpenter thing? She had just died. <laughs> that way, hey, Bob, there you go. That, now, here, here's another drug story. That, that <laughs> night... Yeah, I, I, oh, I remember that night. We, we, uh, it, I guess it was your idea. We got to go to the Coke dealer. Yeah, the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, it was all Bob's. <laughs> well, no, wait, let's, let's give the pre. You didn't, even, you didn't even divide any of it up. Yeah, that's the, the thing we have to discuss. So it was the, it was actually the last night of After Everything Else. I had had it going for about eight months. Los Lobos played, the Bengals. Um, uh, well, the Bengals played with the Circle Jerks. At, after everything else? No, it yes. was dead. But this was the dead hippie one. The dead hippie yeah. one was the riot. So then the, it just was cops everywhere and like people breaking windows and shit. And I was like, this is the end of my club. And I had like, I don't know, how much was it? It wasn't even that much, like 875 bucks. And I was like, Keith, let's just go. And we just left. <laughs> and nice. Greg Hedson, the guitar player of Circle Jerks, was trying to find us all over town for like two days. And that's what happened <laughs> to a lot of bands' money. And but. then Nikki B told the dude from Dead Hippie, what is oh, his name, right. Simon? Or? Yeah, Simon. He Simon. was a tough guy. And he shows up over at the house where we're at doing the blow. <laughs> Wanting to fucking, if he would have had a gun, he would have, he would have shot us. <laughs> oh God! What are those were the days? Was a guy who had super long hair. Yeah, he, he was, was like, like a, a hippie. He dude. was like a Manson type guy. Yeah, exactly. What happened to that guy? What, how did Manson? You know, there's a line in Leonard Cohen song that I always thought was about Henry Rollins, actually, and it and it <laughs> says it says all these poets run around trying to be Charlie Manson. And I remember, like, how did Leonard Cohen, this guy that never came in contact with our world... Do you think he was actually... He wrote that line about Henry Rollins? Are well, you who serious? Did he, but who did he write it about? He's, he knew that there was a bunch of punk rockers who kind of looked up to Charlie Manson. Right? There, there, was. Was a, there, there was. There was. There, there was a there, lot of punk rockers there, that liked Charles Manson. There was, there was a group of punk rockers who propped up charlie man <laughs> how did well, how I, did leonard cohen know that was, wasn't that the mcdonald brothers for sure i know they used charlie in a lot of their oh right early stuff and sonic youth did yeah, all these poets running around trying to be Charlie Manson. <laughs> it's a Leonard Cohen song, and I just always thought, that guy has an antenna that reaches very high and collects a lot of information that he cannot know firsthand. <laughs> that's a weird way of putting it, man. I've never heard anybody put it that way. No, yeah, that's one way. Or, he, awesome. or he actually walks around and sees things every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah, the dead hippie guy was like Charlie Manson. Don Bowles was like Charlie Manson. The Red Crossers were into Charlie Manson. Sonic Youth was into Charlie Manson. And Henry, your buddy Keith, was into Charlie Manson. Oh, don't you call him my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Bobby Stern it. <laughs> but um, Tracy Leo was, was really into Charles work. Manson. 
that was the best Red Cross when she was in it. Yeah, so, she was really into it. Did you see Henry singing with Cindy Lauper? No. Yeah, they did. Uh, Girls just want to rise have fun? above. Rise above with Cindy yeah, Lauper. I saw it. I saw it on the interweb. No joke. On the interweb. Yep. Uh, um, the, I, um, I uh, a lot of people have been posting it, and I personally uh, couldn't. I could. I could not care less. <laughs> you know, I think I got about 30 seconds in before I said, okay, it's just not even funny anymore. It was like funny at first. And it's just like, wow, they're going to do the whole song. This isn't a joke. And then there was a keytar. I heard there was a keytar. Yeah, it was. It had some synthesized stuff going on. Like, w- why was there a keytar when there could have been a theremin? <laughs> yeah, they needed Angelo Moore to play theremin. <laughs> no, they needed Greg Ginn to play that theremin. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so Keith, I have your career planned out, even though I know you don't want it. But I know this is a big deal, and we all want to see Bob, circle jokes. Does this ultimately lead to me being the guy that sits in the back of the convertible <laughs> and waves to everybody at yes. the Hollywood this Christmas is, parade? This is this is your life, Keith Morris. So the, everybody's <laughs> excited. I mean, I talk to people in New York and Brazil, all over through the interweb. People are excited as fuck about seeing the circle jerks because they never got a chance to and whatever. So it's hmm. a forty-year anniversary of group sex, right? But guess. What's coming after that for Mr. Morris's? It's the 30 40. I know it's the 40 year anniversary of group sex, but yeah, guess what? rhymes with Morty. Keith, That's me. Morty. Guess, <laughs> guess what's, I'm so clever. Guess what's coming up? Guess what's coming up in just six years? The 50th anniversary of Black Flag. The in, in 60, did you say 60 years? In 50 years. Uh, in seven, in six years, it will be the fiftieth anniversary of Black Flag. Like he, how long ago was it that the Circle Jerks actually broke up? It wasn't that long ago. Was it, it was like in them off? It was. It's a, been about ten years. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, Man, yes. you've done a lot in that time. Seems like I just saw you guys yesterday. But Keith, that's is there the, a possibility? That's the I want to. I've been doing off. I want to <laughs> be the pro- prognosticator. I believe that somehow, someway in this magical Trumpian universe of insanity, that some way all the members of Black Flag will put aside their differences and do a Staples Center show 50th anniversary of Black Flag. No fucking way. Staples Center. No way anybody's getting together with Greg Ginn. Only if Greg Ginn shows up and plays Theremin. What what if he said he would? But who? I mean, yeah, I'm not a big. He, he, could, do a, he could do a he could do a ten minute theremin. I'm not a big solo. I'm not a big Misfits fan, but I've heard like they were never they would never the the rot in hell before Danzig will sing in Misfits. They've been playing for a year and a half. If everybody's been paying attention, well, there's there's been a lot of big paydays, right? So, anyways, yeah, but they're they're not playing for less than a million dollars. The that's misfits, what the, deal is. the misfits. Wow, God, that's, damn! That's I wish I had makeup. Playing. I wish there I had makeup some, back in the day. Legal, <laughs> there's some kind of legal thing going on, and that's the reason why they're playing these shows. They played three nights at Madison Square Garden or something. That's crazy. I saw them at the whiskey. Anyways, Keith, what are you doing for this Christmas? What are you doing? What do you do? Um. I am probably going to um, have a couple of um, um, impossible veggie tacos over at Del Taco (laughs) with medium hot sauce and maybe an order of those crinkle fries. Do they now have have plant-based tacos at Taco Bell? Del Taco. Oh, Del Taco. No, I, I wouldn't eat at Taco Bell. Uh, Only in an emergency. Only in an emergency. Yeah. Okay. So, so you haven't planned? Because I, I, neither have I. I've kind of not planned either. I don't like Christmas necessarily. So much pressure, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. I'm uh, ultimately going to uh, end up over at. Uh, Louie and Cherries. Louie and Cherries. Does, is there something oh, going wow. on at the music school? Is there a recital before Christmas? Is there got to be something? Uh, they they close on the twenty third, and they don't open until like the uh, after the New Year's. I know. I spent, and probably you and Mike have spent many a Christmas Eve after you like do whatever family thing at Raji's. 
We just go to Raji's. Raji's yeah. doesn't exist anymore. But there, you know, like, there, would, there would be... Um, uh, Dobbs would be there. Christmas and Dobbs Day, would wear Christmas, Christmas stuff. Day would be, Christmas Day would be uh, basketball games, NBA games. Yeah. Hmm. At, at Raji's or at the sports bar next door? Um, at Raji's because uh, Dobbs got that big screen. He got that giant <laughs> screen. Why, yeah, why you, none of us had any eyes. place to go, really, either. And you know, yeah, this is—it's just weird that all the Christmases, because you know, Elvis has got this tr- this tradition now that he likes, and blah, blah blah. And I thought, you know, his life's gonna take a left turn. He's gonna have like six Christmases at some Raji's type place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I had a lot of I had a lot of Chinese Chinese Christmases. Chinese where, food, yeah. I just, you know, how it really is crazy. And then the final thing of this, guess who got sober on Christmas Day? Jesus. Mike Mark. Oh, yeah. Oh, same thing. (laughs) Jesus and Mike Mark. Similar. If I don't drink this Christmas, I'll have 27 years. I know. Thank you, But the story is one of the most touching sobriety things ever in history, and Mike's going to tell it. You know what? No, no, no. It's just another, when you reach a certain age, it's just another day of the year. Now, if you got kids Christmas, yeah. or you're at a place where there are kids, they're the, they're the ones that are going ape shit and fucking going bananas over Christmas because of the gifts. I don't, yeah. I don't ever, never, ever need another gift. I don't need another pair of socks. You know, uh, you need another status quo t-shirt. Right. I don't need a bottle of like some stinky cologne that I'm never going to wear anyways. Well, it, no, that's the, I feel the same way with birthdays. It's like after like 21 or whatever. It's like I I try to remember oh, to Keith send my mom flowers, Keith and that's the, about Keith it. Keith doesn't even know how many decades he's sober. Trust me. <laughs> It's, well, it's three decades, Keith. All by right. the way, so let's three talk. Decades. Wait, let's three talk decades. about the dope addict that gets very depressed. Haven't you never had one of your depressing Christmases where you listen to Leonard Cohen? You want to kill yourself? You just drink every te- Christmas tequila. I, no, I still do in your fucking room. No, I don't want to do that. I, I, I need to uh, shoot I dope. Need to interject here. Um, you, you guys keep going on and on and on about Leonard Cohen and you know the greatness of Leonard Cohen, and I understand That's that. Good Christmas I, music. I don't. I don't listen to Leonard Cohen. I got one of his records. I got it at the Goodwill for ninety nine cents, <laughs> and I still have not listened to it. You should break that open, Keith. Dude, well, you're not the biggest Bob Dylan fan either. How come? Dude, I got I got a bunch of like Bob Dylan bootlegs that are really bitching. What yeah. the, with the band though? You like you no, like the I, band? No, I there, there there was a series of uh, um, CD bootlegs, like their their Beatle bootlegs, where there's twenty versions of Strawberry Fields. Yeah, yeah. You know all of the alt, alternate takes. Some of them without vocals. Some of some of them with the guitars turned up. Um, some of them with the snare a little bit louder, some of them in stereo, some of them in mono, some of them with orchestra, some without orchestra. That sounds some like Bob hell, Dylan stuff like that. <laughs> there's some Bob Dylan stuff like that where there's... There's uh, ten I takes of him and Johnny Cash. Like three different versions of uh, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, which is my favorite Bob Dylan song. You know, so it's... Uh, I, um, for years and years and years, just thought he was horrible. Yeah. You know, but I also thought the Beach Boys were horrible. That's you know, and it's like when, when you reach a certain age, you start you start coming to your senses. How can you like playing the Beach Boys playing live, and every every guy in that band is vocalizing? Like five guys vocalizing. How can you, you wait? How serious? can you fucking love Fog Hat and not love Bob Dylan or the Beach Boys? Keith was able to do it. How can you just love like a band like that? Dude, I got to see Fog Hat like twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> 
fucking great. So it was Mike. I, I, those guys at one point were playing like 350 days out of the year. Lonesome Dave Peveris. <laughs> They're playing coming up here on, I think, December 18th. No way. Fog yes, hat? but it's only the drummer is left. Of All course. The of course. I was going to ask how many fog hats. <laughs> I don't know if you count the drummer. Hey, Keith, you know what I'm doing on New Year's Eve? Los Lobos is playing New Year's Eve in Montclair, just five minutes from my house. Oh, that's going to be great. I'm coming up for that. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was really going to be like a midnight show, and then it just doors at 7, show at 9. And I was like, dude, they're going to be done at 1030. They're going to load out. They're going to be home at midnight. That's a band right there. And I just thought it would be really funny, Keith, if you would come out here. Because Keith and I used to love Los Lobos, and we get all drunk and go see them and then jump on stage and sing with them. And they're such <laughs> nice guys. <laughs> they never would, they ne- you know, they step aside and let us take the mics. <laughs> <laughs> Tolerated, you little nut jobs. <laughs> And then, and then you just see the terror in David Hidalgo's eyes when he saw us all drunk at one of his shows. He'd be like, "Oh my God, those guys are here again!" <laughs> and we'd get up. Remember Keith? We'd get up there and just sing on their mics. <laughs> we would be singing stuff we weren't supposed to be singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you were singing bad. Well, you guys. We just love that band. You know that they're they're kids. Have bands, their, their right? Kids are like big black flag and circle jerks fans. One of one of their sons plays drums in Social Distortion. You're kidding! I thought I didn't that was a Hidalgo. That. That's David Hidalgo's son. I thought it was a Hidalgo that played drums in. Or it could have been uh, Louis. Louis' son is the one that I know. We played. I've played with him before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. No, my my favorite Los Lobos story. Um, I, I did a uh, reading and storytelling thing with Krista Jardins and um, Hudley from Flipside and Iris Berry and Annette from the Bangles right. uh, down at Stories down on Sunset Boulevard. And um, at one point, I'm, I'm uh, Chris D calls me up to, like, we're, we're doing this kind of, he starts telling a story, and I expand on the story, and I say, Chris, do you remember the time, the, the first time we all saw Los Lobos? We were, um, it was John Doe, um, Dave Alvin, Chris D. So basically Jeff, the flesh eaters. Pierce, Jeffrey Lee Pierce. Um, and, and myself, and we're sitting around, and we're drinking and smoking and doing a little bump here and a little <laughs> bump there. And Dave... I like the way he downplays the yeah, game. like Dave has this light bulb go on over his head. He said, guys, let's get in my car. We're going to go see this band right now. you got, you got to go see this band. And we end up over in Boyle Heights in this Mexican restaurant... There is no stage, and they've set up on the floor in a corner of the um, it, where all of the tables and all of the booths are. And there's there's maybe a dozen other people in the restaurant. We didn't even go to eat. It was like we got there, and the first thing we wanted to know is if if their bar was open. <laughs> they were serving drinks. Nice. So we got in the we got in Dave Alvin's car, which was just this big. It was a fucking yacht on wheels. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit smaller than an aircraft carrier, <laughs> and we got over there, and we were we were sitting in the middle of the floor. We were all drinking our Budweisers, and they started playing. It was Los Lobos. It was like, what the fuck? These guys. The the, the, the there's there was a certain uh, mentality amongst all of uh, a, a lot of the bands in Los Angeles at the time was like. You know, we got Ronald Reagan. All that motherfucker has to do is just press the red button, and tomorrow is not, there will be no tomorrow. And so bands, when they had the opportunity, they would play their fucking brains out like there was not going to be a tomorrow. It's like everything gets left here right now. 
That's how they were always met. They were, they were amazing. They are one of my favorite bands of all time, and I'm seeing them on New Year's Eve, and Keith, you should come out here just so we can scare them. I'll tell you a great Los Lobos <laughs> story. I'll tell you a great Los Lobos story. Uh, they had gotten to the place where they were playing the Palace, so there was stepping stones in the 80s. So you played the Whiskey, then the Roxy, then if you could sell out the Roxy consistently, then they would have you at the Palace, which held, like, how many people? 2,000 people or something. And so 1,200. The, yeah, 1,200. So Los Lobos is finally at the, at the Palace level, right? Mm. And so I'm there earlier, I don't know why, and David Hidalgo comes walking in with a, with a garment bag, you know, like you have a suit inside a garment bag? And they've always been known as the, you know, just, you know, you want to talk about flannel shirts. They are the workman band, right? Yeah. So I, get, I make a joke. I go, oh, my God, you got a stage outfit now? And he goes, what? No. Oh, I get so sweaty from playing. I need a different set of clothes for after. All right. <laughs> that, uh-huh. that is, that is treating music like it needs to be treated like it's a discipline like it's work like you have to bring it every night and he just, he was covered in sweat so he had to have clean clothes to change that, into it's fantastic not, not a stage outfit to change into so so keith you saw um a bicycle thief and a thelonious monster show last week i i missed the bicycle thief and i would have loved to have seen josh yeah that was great oh man i thought you were there before that but but it was it was fun <clears throat> you know I, I just think that uh the older i get the more i appreciate pete weiss and it's it's crazy and i wish you know i don't have regret regrets a waste of time anyways but he is the heart and soul of thelonious monster the and way you said he that plays that drums yeah. is like i don't know what i was thinking it just that's the sound of Thelonious Monster. He just has this style. Do you agree, Keith? Um, well, we always uh, the joke was that his drumming, the way he plays drums, is you might as well just take all of his drums and put them in a shopping cart <laughs> and push them down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But it's perfect. But that is perfect. Yeah. You, you have to like you have to be on the inside of this this band to sort of understand the weird back thing that he does the backbeat that he does on union street that's why at the end he's like no i don't want to play anymore i said come on let's do union street man and, and i and i just started it <laughs> and he was kind of looking at me like oh you asshole but, yeah it was it was but fun he gets this weird back thing going that i don't think anybody else can do in this world man it is like off like it's just he takes it and turns it around immediately like and then he's he's on the other side of it yeah it's amazing he, dude it's amazing think, so anyways it, it was fun and I, I was glad to see keith there keith used to be our manager you know chuck yeah it's morty he managed yep. he managed us right into oblivion <laughs> i don't think it was his fault for some reason <laughs> I, I've met you, Bob. <laughs> You're forgetting. <laughs> you were on that tour where we had the flat tire in New Mexico, right? I think he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. The bread van. Yeah, in the in X's <laughs> bread van, right? X van. And yeah. the funny, and the, and we get out to change the tire, and Chris goes, "I took the tire out." And we're saying, to well, get like, to make more space to make for more the room equipment. for the equipment. He left the spare tire at my house. <laughs> That's a thinker. <laughs> What? We were somewhere. We were about ninety miles outside of El Paso. I don't know if you've ever been ninety miles outside of El Paso, but there's nothing fucking there, man. No spare, and nobody's stopping for a bunch of guys with dreadlocks. There's no. This is 1987. Nobody's stopping, Chuck. Oh, I still would. I still it was it was <laughs> come we, on me and bob started walking and it was there was a sign that said five miles to mirage new mexico <laughs> five miles to a town called mirage we walked all the way there and the only thing that was in mirage it was a liquor was a, uh, a bar was a, a bar, bar made out of a of a railroad car <laughs> And there was an old lady in there. She kept her hand under the counter on her shotgun the whole time we sat in there and drank. And we were the only two people in there. And she called up some guy from a junkyard that was the only other business in town. (laughs) And he came down and gave us a ride and helped us with the tire. Yeah. And then we made it to the gig in El Paso. And I remember 
So back then, Chuck, Keith, we're always educating Chuck on 81 to 87, right? Because he was, he was a child then. He didn't exist then. <laughs> so, so what you got to understand is you played with anybody and the weirdest combos of bands. So we were playing with like Death Angel and like like metal like metal death metal bands. Okay. That's and on the marquee it said felonious monster, like a felony. Like okay. felonious <laughs> monster. That's better than the loneliest monster. <laughs> the, the loneliest, loneliest monster, monster was with Camper, Camper Van Beethoven. <laughs> Camping so, with they, Beethoven. They had, to, they had to give you guys uh, an edge to keep yeah. up with Death Angel. <laughs> Did you go <laughs> No, Death Angel was pretty good actually. There was a lot of bands. Those bands, those death bands, Keith, that you knew knew about, Celtic Frost or all these bands, they've been around for 40 years, these bands. And King, you know what? They put on is, shows. How long has King Diamond been around, Keith? Since, Too long. So, <laughs> long. Awesome. I agree. Since the I don't know. Since I, the I 70s. Never, since, I never... I never paid attention to him. I like him. He so, was just playing in Orange County. So, Bob, what was the thing with the fall? Remember, you had a, 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 a VC, uh, like a VCR. We had a VCR deck. We had a VHS. Yeah, we had a TV in our van in 1986. Right. And you kept you watching this. You kept watching uh, this video over and over. The fall. There. The fall. I think it was the fall. Was it the fall? The band? The yeah. fall? Well, that girl was from Orange County, uh, was from L.A., and I liked her a lot. Yeah, so we I watched. watched the band. Over. So you watched the video over and over. Was that was that the weird band that had like a super old guy playing keyboards? Maybe. Uh, well, it's Mark Marky Smith. Oh, Mark Smith. Away. Okay. Yeah, but Marky Smith. But you don't understand. So there was this girl that hung around in L.A. in the early '80s. Marky uh, was it was a snarky. He guy. married her. Hmm. And then she was in the band, but then she talked with an English accent. Or something. You were infatuated crazy. with the girl? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I did that oh, a lot from time okay. to time. I could never figure out why I had we were watching over and over. I was, a, you know, I was a nerdy, pimply-faced guy in high school, Chuck. I, when, I, when I became a musician, I just lived in a kind of an infatuation state with all these different people I never met. I mean, I got well, I got watching. <laughs> you you, you should have just taken Ish advantage of your star power <laughs> and just Epsteined them. I no. got watching Ishtar over and over. Yeah, that we watched Ishtar. Sense. You know what's hard to take, you know, be the lead singer of a band that's on tour? When your manager is a million times more legendary, famous than the singer. So Keith, <laughs> what's happening? He'd just walk in and everybody would look at Keith. Like... I'm the singer. I'm the singer of the band. Uh, sorry, I still do that. When I saw him last week, I was like, oh, wow, Keith is here. Oh, I'm going to go say hi. Tell the truth, Keith. Tell the truth, because this was just like a Bob last-minute idea. But, Morty, come along with yeah, us on to tour play and be our guitar. manager. Yeah, and, and, and play acoustic guitar. And you can play acoustic And we'll play... That was just a tour where... Um, Matt, was Matt one, Dyke was, was with us, too. There was one show that was... Uh, uh, Thelonious Monster, Butthole Surfers, and Sonic. Yeah, Youth. in Texas. Wow. In Texas. Oh, that's right. And so you you left after that. Did you leave in um, Texas? I, I I left after. I think I left from Austin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and understand, Chuck, on on a tour like this in 1987 or 86, you play you play uh, uh, where do you, you play um, to, you play Phoenix at the Pandora's box. You play at a record store called Bow Wow Records in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Then you play El Paso, and then you play Austin. Keith only made it four days managing <laughs> us. That's that's commendable. I think, I think that was his plan all along. To tell you the truth, free ride to a Texas. Free ride to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's like, I'm not going to stick with this. Well, yeah. Merry Christmas, Keith Morris. Merry okay, Christmas. You guys. Hey, okay, Love so you. sing the song that I want to sing now. We can all sing it together. All right, what is it? Have yourself a merry, merry little Christmas. Christmas. Keith? Have yourself. yourself a merry little Christmas. <laughs> 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 You'll die, reindeer. <laughs> Perfect. Merry yes. Christmas, Keith. Okay, you guys. See you later. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. There he is, the great Keith Morris. That was awesome. How great is he? Just call him on his home phone. He does not have a. He does not have a cell phone. That's fantastic. So you know, I've got 
for some reason, and I think about this in my life, how it unfolded that I had these relationships with these people. Like, And Chrissy asked me the other day, how did you ever meet Keith? And I just met him. He had dated my first wife, right, before me. Okay. Right? Oh, right? nice. Yeah, so... so so I don't know if Keith's gonna like this, but anyway, he, he's not gonna listen. <laughs> he's not listening. He, <laughs> yeah, he's never gonna listen to this podcast. No way. So you at home are, are gonna know something, but that went on between me and Keith. So I'm like 21 years old, 1982, and Keith and I are doing coke at my house with my wife that I'd married after doing little for, bumps. You know, I knew her <laughs> for like six weeks and whatever, and we were doing coke, and there was people at our house, and Keith didn't want to share his coke, and so he said. He got a plate out of the kitchen. He put his little bindle on it and it had a little a knife. And he goes, come on with me. And so then we left my apartment. And we went on the roof of my apartment. And we were just doing lines. And he was talking and talking. And I was just, can you imagine this? I'm a kid from Orange County. I'm like, I'm on the roof doing coke with Keith Morris, right? In 1982, yep. and all of a sudden he switches gears from telling rock and roll stories and goes, there's something that we need to talk about. <laughs> and I was like, I thought he was mad at me or what? And I go, what? And he goes, well, I just want you to know that I've, I've slept with your wife. <laughs> oh. he's awesome. A, he's such a straightforward, no bullshit no secrets no nothing that was my first week or two or of knowing him <laughs> not Just so not i used to date her <laughs> and he wasn't saying it was he wasn't apologizing and he wasn't saying he just wanted that there you go. You Here's know. the information. And then he, just, and then he yeah. just cut up a big fat line and put the plate at me. <laughs> so I kind of paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anything else? <laughs> Did you do anything else? But it was just such a fun time to meet people. And I think through Keith is how I met Jeffrey and Fab Fast Freddy and so all those people that were just, that you can't understand. Nothing. I was a part of grunge a little bit or a part of indie rock or whatever. Nothing was like L.A. in from, from I guess, I from 77 till about 83. Nothing was like that. It was just so free and so fucking amazing. And all the people in it were such characters. Somebody, Elvis had a school recital day and he was really nervous, right? He was really, you know, he's kind of nervous. Like he was fiddling with his bow tie and stuff. And I said... I, he said, I'm nervous. And I said, let me tell you a story that the great legendary Top Jimmy told me. So Thelonious Monster was playing the first time headlining the Roxy, and Jimmy was sitting in our dressing room. And then the band went out to start, and I was like, you know, I was fucking nervous. We're playing the Roxy, right? Mm -hmm. And Jimmy just goes, nervous, huh, Mr. Jones? And I was like, yeah, I never get nervous. And he goes, means you care. How fucking great a line hmm. is that? It means you care. So I told Elvis that today. And he was just like, I care. Yeah, I want to be good. Yeah, right. Top Jimmy told me that in 1985. He had some pearls of wisdom that <laughs> Top cool. Jimmy did. I mean, and usually he was mean or he'd say something dumb or he was too drunk to <laughs> talk. Say something but dumb. it was but it was so <laughs> cool of him to like see that I was nervous, not not baby me or codependent with me, but just said it's good. It means, you're it means you care. How great advice is that? It's a good one. Right? And so meeting Keith just is transformative. And, and then from that comes, comes all this. I mean, I, don't, I, don't th I think my life would be... Wouldn't your life be so different if you didn't meet Jeffrey, Mike? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I just can't imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't met Keith Morris. You can never tell. You don't know. It's like, you know, things from could him, be completely different. From him, so much fun happened and so much inspiration happened and so much so much craziness and so much, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing. And that the Circle Jerks are doing a 40-year anniversary of group sex. <laughs> That's right. Is That's the so cool. Who thought it would even last four years? Let alone forty. Not my parents, right? So that's a <laughs> that's a Merry Christmas thing. I'll tell you that. That's fantastic. I hope I hope they make I hope they make some money. I hope they finally make some money. Oh yeah, no, I think they're they're, they're gonna they're, make some money, Chuck. They're gonna good. really. You don't have to hope. Good. They're gonna they're gonna make some money. 
And oh, so somebody was asking me, I, I, I don't want to talk about the chili pepper situation, but somebody in that area asked me, I think, you know, because they are going to make money. Like, they're going to make money. And somebody asked me, you think Keith's going to move? And I was like, nope. I don't think you know, he'll buy a cell phone. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, he will not move if he if he if he makes. You know what I mean? He just that's if where you he handed lives, him a million dollars, he'd he would stay still where he live is. in the still same apartment, same place. He wouldn't want to lose his rent control. <laughs> he would be like, you know, what? Why would all, I move? Even exactly. if he brought it up, he'd be like. What do I need to move for? Yeah, well, usually, very, you know, you, when you make a lot of money, you want to get in a more, you know, more less where there's parking. Because his street is impossible. I don't go visit there. It's like impossible. <laughs> Maybe he likes that about it. Maybe he does like that nobody comes. That, that people can't just can't park. cruise by. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny. So, and it's a street where Pete Weiss lives, Keith lives, Chris Hoy used to live there. Um, uh, uh, Dougie used to live there. Louis and Cherry, Louis Matthew lived there on this one block of Rosalia, right? And Hoy found a way around the parking thing because the parking thing is insane. It's you know there's only, because the Vista Movie Theater is right at the corner. So and the Vista Movie Theater doesn't have any parking. So everybody parks in the neighborhood parking. So Hoy, Hoy bought a second junk Hoy car. Hoy bought a second junk car. How did you know that? Because I've done that. <laughs> It's an easy way. And he blocked it so that there was wasn't enough room for an, a car to park. And then he would pull up, get in his other car, back it up, and then park his car. Yeah, to save the spot. And many times he got in real fights because people were so pissed that he was doing that. Did he park bad with the junk <laughs> no, car? No, that they knew what he was doing uh, with the junk car. Yeah. They're like, fuck that. And they're trying to get into the spot, like cut around him. So that's where that's where that's the only thing I could think of, like he would want want to move so he could park, but um, just get a helicopter, right? Yeah. So this has been the let's get some pointers about Christmas because Mike tried let's, to touch on it. So suicide is high on Christmas, uh, relapse is high, um, and I you know when I worked at Los Encinas, Drew. I guess it existed before Dr. Drew. Like you got to understand, Los Encinas has been an alcohol dryout ward since the 30s. Right. That's so, before Drew. Yeah, that's before Drew. So they had this thing uh, that they did during the holidays, especially if somebody was discharging right before Christmas. People like to get home for Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah. They had pointers for Christmas. And this probably got written in the 60s, maybe even the 50s. And that was to plan your holiday, your two day holiday, the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, plan it hour by hour. Right, where are you going? These clumps of time. So I've always thought that, like, listen, if you're gonna go see your family on Christmas Eve and you don't, you don't get along with them that well yet or ever, and they're gonna, they're gonna start nitpicking at you if you stay too long. Just get there at a reasonable time, stay a reasonable amount and respectful amount of time, and move on. Right. And yeah. and Gloria Scott used to tell me, I, I said, you know, if I stay at my family's house too long, they're going to start talking politics. And she said, tell me you're coming to my house. And so I would go <laughs> to my family. I'd get there. I would, I would ask over and over again, what time is dinner? Because I don't know about your families, but my family is. Everybody gets there at like two or three. They kind of start boozing it up. Then dinner's about four or five. Then when dessert takes for fucking ever, right? Yeah. And you got all the little kids sitting around at the little kids' tables, like wanting to get to the presents. It's always the same, right? So now you're, if you got there at two, you're like having dessert at seven. That's too long. It's too fucking long. Yeah. Christmas two to, two is to three too hours long. is fantastic. So get, yeah, but if you get there for dinner and they're going to meander with, with desserts and drinks and, you know, coffee after. So then they do desserts and they do coffee because they've been drinking since two in the afternoon. Right. Well, this is what I used to do. I used to just eat and then excuse myself that I, I had to go to a meeting. Yeah, but kids have to open their presents. That's a lot of the. Yeah, but I'm talking have. addict age. Okay. Yeah, addict age, if you don't have like if kids. You're, if you're in the throes of addiction and you're trying to get sober and you're going to your family's house and they're going to be all fucking looking at you and like wondering what you're going to steal and all this <laughs> other shit and they're looking down on you, just, you know, be respectful, hang in there, and then go to a meeting on so Christmas. What, <clears throat> what the fuck is wrong with that? I love that concept. Right. 
So, so go where are the other, all the other alcoholics are, where so, you're loved. So, two or three hours at, at your, your families, if you have strained relationships with them, is that safe to say, Chuck? I, I think that's a good amount of time for just any of it. <laughs> Even if you're 30 years sober, uh, it, well, I, it's still about my comfort zone because they're not they're not the the fam they're not the family I chose. They're the family that that you were came given. with the wife and that came with the birth. You know, it's not like I, I chose them, so I like them and we get along, but I find that my my patience and my ability to smile or to just keep up appearances, uh, I'm not good at it. So, really? So God, it, you're really bearing your soul right now, Chuck. <laughs> I would think that you would get along with anybody. I do get along, but it, there's, there's this, it starts getting shorter, and I, start, I can tell because I start getting nasty and throwing out little things. Yeah, are, are they nice. drinking? No. There's a lot of drinking at Christmas. I don't anywhere no, not, I've been. Not in her family and not in not in mine, at least not until I leave. They've still got the, my mom and dad still have this idea that they can't drink around me and I'm I'm not gonna mess so it up. So then you really have no excuse, Chuck. It's it's just it's, why do you have to get out of there then? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with Mike. Mike and Bob are agreeing for the first time in Don't Die History. Because <laughs> I need to get to a bar to see a band play. There you go. <laughs> oh. yeah, Usually you know, face it, they're boring people to be around. No, they just, I just don't agree very much. I don't, I don't, there isn't enough in common for there to be conversation that I feel, you know. Okay, so then I'll give you another one. I stopped going like five years ago, seven, six, seven years ago because of that. I really am not the same type of person with them. I don't know why you have to keep up appearances with this family shit. I really don't. And, and if you don't somehow, even in our community, even in the 12-step community, there's something wrong with you. No, I don't want to go there and be around a bunch of people who are racist and homophobic and hateful just because it's fucking Christmas. I don't. Right. I truly don't. And luckily, I have, you know, small children and kids and kids to be around and whatever. So I make Christmas about kids. But, but the fact is, do we really have to endure this miserable American tradition of being around people who disapprove of us? And often we're the were the event that triggered our disease, which is trauma, <laughs> trauma, neglect. No, let's not, yeah, let's not pussyfoot around. Bob's exactly right, man. I mean, and so there's nothing wrong with just telling him right off. You're the people that caused me to drink in the fucking first place. I've got to go to a meeting. See you later. Thanks for the genes, dude. And the trauma. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, you know, it, it is a weird time. And I think newly sober people have a hard time kind of, and that's why I wanted to bring up the fact that Keith was, you know, cantankerous as he is he really made that first christmas of my sobriety very special just by being there because it was just going to be me and max my girlfriend and elijah when he elijah was was uh nine eighty ninety six he was 10 years he was just turned 10 right our first real christmas mm -hmm. and that keith came over and stayed for hours and hung out with us we had a little tiny christmas tree that was like four feet tall right it was the greatest christmas ever and it was because of Keith. And, mm. and he, I'm sure he could have gone to somebody else's house. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> the doors yeah. were open. And and he, the, but how cool. That. And you know, it's, it's funny. I got to talk to Elijah at that thing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, it, it was like talking to two different people compared to the last time I talked to him. He is so much more yeah, present clear, and so much clear. here. And it was, it was just so cool to get to know him a little and to hear Elvis talking about you. What? It's just funny. He goes, he goes. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. You know why my dad didn't know the words? Because he doesn't write any of them down. <laughs> like Jay-Z, baby. And I go, what do you mean? And, and he goes, he never writes them down. Now you know. <laughs> and then, and then I, I, we were talking about music a little bit more because we went upstairs to where it was a little bit yeah, quiet. quieter. Yeah. And, uh, and it, he goes... I would go, Elijah, I told him I listened to his record and how it was a weird trip into his brain and yeah. stuff because that was an odd record. It's, it's not yeah. it's not a straightforward pop record. It's not a it's not it's not really classifiable other than being more experimental, you know. And I go, it was interesting. And, and Elvis goes, Of course it's gonna be great. You know who his dad is? <laughs> 
<laughs> just like, wow, Elvis really likes so, Bob. Yeah, so what what we're referring to is Thelonious Monster, me and Mike's band, and Bicycle Thief, me and Josh Klinghoffer's band, played at this Narcan event at Allo Treatment Centers, our treatment center, and it was fun, and everybody came, and we got gave out a lot of free Narcan, and it was great. But Sid had never seen me sing ever in her life, right? And all the next day she kept playing, you were singing. Why were you singing? What were you singing? You, why, daddy was singing. She was looking at because he's like, like, Daddy why was singing. <laughs> why was he singing? Because I ain't know, I ain't know uh, all the things she likes. She couldn't figure it out. What the fuck is this guy doing singing? <laughs> why? Dad, just stop. What were you singing? Why are you singing? <laughs> but she fell asleep too. How great. I, I know. And then the funniest thing is, I said, Sydney? People have been asking that for 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, it was a fun night and we or day and we gave a lot of Narcan away. And and we're gonna do it again, hopefully, now now that Keith said they're playing in April, because my big, you know what my biggest dream is. To play but the next Narcan event is the Circle Jerks warm-up gig at Allo Outpatient, playing in that room. Super secret. Super, um, it's not secret now, but Keith. Yeah, won't, it will be Keith because the date will be. <laughs> Don't tell Keith. Tell but me. yeah, so if they're if they're starting rehearsals in April, we'll just move it back. But but yeah, we want to have bands. I want I want to have fun. I want to build a community because I've been waiting for somebody to build a sober community in L.A., Silver Lake, Hollywood that used to exist. They're not going to do it, Chuck. And I got nothing to do. So I'm going to do it. Did you did you see the thing? Uh, one of my friends posted a thing about these total, they're like full-blown sober bars. Yeah, where, yeah, like, yeah. I've where seen people it. go and hang out and they do all sorts of different kinds of cool drinks and like cool glasses yeah. and make it fancy and, you know, put a pool table in there and all that stuff. So it's not like an Alano club where it's like, yeah, no cursing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a meeting. You guys got to move on. I thought that was really cool. I just don't know how you make money. Well, I'll on tell that. you that in the late nineties, I think. So when is Elijah 21? So he's 86, 86, 96, 2000. So 2007, right? So it wasn't the no, it can't be. Yeah, I guess it was 2006. He's probably going early. So 2005, let's say. There were all these bars on Hollywood Boulevard and Cuenga, all the way down. There was one called Star Shoes. There was one called Beauty Bar. There were all these bar hipster bars. But all the people from AA went to them after the AA meeting. So the poor fucking bars, they probably didn't make any money. <laughs> They're buying the dollar coffee. <laughs> and we're there one night after, you know, I was single and I was out at the bar with the AA guys. And Elijah was there drinking. And Aww. I remember I said, and I said, he came over and I hugged him. I said, I love you, you know, and he was a little nervous. And I said, you know, I'm going to go like, you know, and so, you know, because I just left not feeling bad, just feeling like it's his time to be on Hollywood Boulevard. The okay. old man needs to go home. So for weeks afterwards, people would say to me at meetings, saw your son the other night over a beauty bar, you know, and he was like 19, right? And I finally just unloaded on this guy that I kind of don't like anyways. You know what I mean? I was, just, I was like, dude, you know what you should ask yourself? My son's 19. He's a musician. He's great. He's having fun. He's doing the same things me and Flea and Anthony did when we were 19 on Hollywood Boulevard. What the fuck are you doing there? You're 38 <laughs> years old. I said to this guy, you're 38 years old. You're 10 years sober. What the fuck are you doing there? You ever ask yourself that? Freak. We know exactly what he's doing there, and that's why I was kind Chicken of Chicken hawking. <laughs> Chicken hawking. So, so there were there was a sober scene all through the '90s and into the 2000s where people went to bar. Viper Room was a big hangout for sober people. I don't know how they made any money. You know what I mean? When I got sober in '96, I went to the Viper Room almost every night after a meeting. Right, Mike, you went. You were there sober. I was. Just like a lot of sober people were there. And I always think, like, what are, like... So, Viper Room, I don't know if you've ever been there, Chuck? I don't think I've been there. It only holds, like, 175 people. So, if, if 75 of them or 100 of them are sober, how much money can they be making? Did are it they have just to make money, out? or is that... I thought that was... Uh, Depp's place. Yeah, but I mean, maybe you know. it's maybe it's worth it for him to have a place where he can rehearse and have his friends play. And if it's a loss, it's a loss. 
Well, that was the idea, but you don't want to lose $800,000 a year because of a bunch of sober people hanging out uh, there. What's $800,000 Drinking club friends. soda. No, I, I remember one year it lost 800000 He was kind of, whoa, whoa. That's yeah. no, that's more. You'd, you'd like you'd like your clubhouse to break even. I would. I would uh, yeah. <laughs> no matter how much money you have, you would want it to you break have even. Sold fancier, <laughs> sober drinks. <laughs> yeah. No, it was all free club soda. They used to just let oh. you fill up free club soda. Boo. Mike, how, you hung out there for years, right, with Jeffrey and? Yes. It was all free, right? Well, yeah, until they cut Jeffrey off and he started sneaking in like little bottles. And- <laughs> of booze and then you'd find them later under the couch <laughs> hmm. room, but but there there have been sober places it was just not specifically only sober bar right. type place sounds well, interesting but anyways i just want to build community i want people to get together i want narcan in the hands of every addict and they know how to use it and and talk about don't use alone and all that kind of stuff because i'm just i'm just sick of bureaucracy and i'm sick of waiting around for a bunch of blowhards to do something in the 12-step community well let's just do it ourselves mike had a cool thing going on with the insolvent songwriters club is that was this insolvent pizza no 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 i'm gonna do that again except i'm gonna i'm gonna do it on a stage that's what i'm talking that's why i said i'm just thinking it'd be so cool to have a room and i've been talking to amy for so long about where would i put a club what would i do it'd be so cool because he would have all sorts of different people show up and do a small acoustic set and because it wasn't about the money it was about hanging out well that's what the pizza parlor was and it's it's just so uh deep piazzas yeah DPOTS is it, it does full blown stuff too, where they no, try to. No, but we all played there, Mike. You had that thing going for years. Yeah. Peter Case played there. I played there. See that yeah. that that's a good room too because it's air conditioned and there's parking and it looks it's dark inside during the daytime. I just feel mm. like they were maybe trying to make too much money. Uh, the, the Piazzas. Nah, they're a restaurant, man. Mark always was fine with whatever, you know. So no, what yeah, was that, that what was fine. Was, Nobody wanted to come and play. Uh, you know, they thought it was like a pizza joint or something. It was a pizza <laughs> joint. Yeah, but but I mean, one yeah, of those things. It's, extra cool it's such a cool joint. Sunday afternoon thing to get together and just have some sort of get together of, of friends, well, people who are like minded. Uh, I think people doing need shows to do forever, more. and I love him. People need to do more and more of that because that's what. So that's how I'm you build community. You, I'm going to invite you to do the the insolvent songwriter show. Of course, the first one. I'm going to I'm going to start this up this in next Long year. Beach. Nah, somewhere. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it like once a month, where I just get a whole bunch of like people that I know to come and play their songs. But see, here's the thing, and I think we need to browbeat some people. What made Hollywood? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, what made Hollywood great? All those eras that people talk about, whether it's the late, the turn of the '80s that I'm talking about, or later when Phony Sponsor was playing, the Chili Peppers were playing. It was the audience that made it happen, not the bands. The bands were good. But, but there was an audience for it. There was like, we used to play Rogers. There would be a line around the block. There's nothing. The people aren't going out. And then they complain there's nothing to do. Fuck you. You don't go anywhere. That's why there's nowhere to go. And that's why there's nothing going on. Because you sit glued to Facebook thinking that that is some sort of reality, which it's not. It's all bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was ready to throw my phone in the ocean yesterday when that whole shit went down. Well, let's like, get this out of the fucking gutter real quick. No, okay. I, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's up to the people to make something happen in their town, in their community. You let's wish. Let's let's wish. Let's wish some people some some Merry Christmas and end this thing. Okay? No, fuck people. <laughs> oh, come on, Bob. You, you were doing so well. Ha bum hug. What okay, do you say? So I, I have a little list I want to just send, and you guys can all add in as you go along. Dick Stenny, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Dick Stenny. Xander Sloss, Merry Xander Christmas. Xander Sloss. Mike Mart missing, wishing Xander Sloss a Merry Christmas. I love Christmas. Xander Sloss. Wait, Sloss, is that a thing? No, that's that. a thing. Evan huh. and Alexis Haynes and Alexis everybody. Alexis and Evan and the babies and the kids and so Jared and Jill. Year. Merry Christmas. You know, Chris happy and Ashley holidays. always listen. Happy, happy Christmas, Chris. 
Chris and Ashley, they were at the show. Right. Awesome. Pete Wise. They were really cool. Merry Christmas, Pete Wise. Happy Hanukkah to Happy Pete Happy Hanukkah to Pete Wise. Oh, happy holidays. What, noodles yeah. always listens. Noodles. Happy, happy Christmas. Christmas. Hey, noodles. Have, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. To invite hey. invite him to the Insolvent Merry Songwriters Christmas. thing. Tony Malone. Tony, Tony Malone. Malone. I see him at my kid's school, at Elvis' school. Oh, oh that's so nice. Martine Lenovo. Martine, Merry happy Christmas. Christmas. Dopey Dave. Happy Hanukkah, Dobie Dave. Christmas. And Mike uh, Mart, happy Christmas. And, and Chuck, Mom. happy Christmas. I got a couple of friends, Mark Swenston, Chris Conan. They always listen. Jesse Espino. Jesse, always, I know Jesse. Jesse. Yes, he always contacts us the thing, and he he, he's have, he says that Christmas is a little bit tough for him. Oh, uh, Neil Patrick O'Neill. Uh, oh, the Don't and, Die Wisconsin the Ryan folks. Gorman, oh yeah, all those guys from Don't. Kevin, Don't happy Kevin, Christmas Jeff, up there. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Man. God John bless Sachs, us all. My friend John Sachs. Uh, does your Does your wife he listen listens. to this ever? Or we could say yeah. happy birthday to Chrissy. Happy and birthday, to Chrissy. Happy Chrissy. birthday. Happy Christmas. <laughs> happy birthday, Chrissy. Happy birthday, Elvis. Happy sobriety birthday. Hey, Amy. and ultimately, Mark Smitty Smith. Smitty. Yeah. Merry Christmas, and uh, and uh, Bug. The Bug. genius of the world. <laughs> Let's I talk guess. about Bug. So Bug saw Thelonious Monster. Why don't you tell the story, Chuck? About he, we he's were, this kid is an angel on earth. That, that if you want oh some, he, he's just so beautiful. He were we were going through. He wanted to see where I was on that Sunday. Yeah, because they didn't come with me. They were they were at a birthday party for one of his friends, and so I showed him a little bit of what was going on uh, from the Facebook feed from Chris and Ashley's thing that they recorded. And I saw that I could pull it up on YouTube. Yeah. And I put it on YouTube, and Thelonious Monster starts playing, and he's looking at him. He's looking at the band. He's looking at everybody. He goes into he goes into the room, gets a hat, gets a pair of my reading glasses, <laughs> puts on my Wallabies because they look like the big shoes. Like yeah, I think he saw some big shoes, and all of a sudden he was a part of Thelonious Monster jumping around. The, that was knew, such a great picture. He knew to get glasses. <laughs> and I was just yes. like, that is uh, so beautiful. You know, for a kid that really just started spelling his name by himself, and he's nine years old, he sure takes to music like yeah he's very observant so i need to be more careful about what i talk about like when all those penis fish washed on shore and i thought it was hilarious oh my goodness so (laughs) we we don't want to forget nate potker oh nate i talked to him today Merry christmas nate Nate, he's uh, a heck of an artist that guy everybody you know the people that listen amy dresner amy nicholas tharp he sends us those uh the the, oh yeah um, the at the um graphics yeah that okay so he we're gonna use the metallica one did you see the metallica yeah, one? the Great. bob forrest narcan one yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. narcan them all narcan <laughs> like metallica that's a great one and so and just everyone at allo Lindsay and bob and everybody just you know i i really have a different take on things i don't think they're as bad as we think but it's going to take a lot of work to make them better than they are it really is they're gonna want to be huh they're gonna want to be but it really is to put down your fucking phone and let's get on with living. That's that's my thing. That's my I I don't care if Mike thinks it's negative. No, no. We've got to put our phones down. It's a non-reality. I watched the internet go insane yesterday. Guess what it mattered? Nothing. It mattered <laughs> nothing. Right. Right? It didn't affect anyone involved. It had nothing to do with anything. It's become a poison in our society. I truly believe that. And hopefully in 2020, 2021, 2022, we'll start to see people come together like we did the Narcan event last weekend and with pe- Man, people just hanging out and anywhere, talking. Anywhere you get together that kind of talent where people are actually, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like when Mark would do, when Mike would do these things, it's like Kern Richards, it's Rob Roberge, it's uh, Brian Coakley, it's yeah, all those guys. Uh, Mike would play you know so it's just like you go on a sunday afternoon where there's really nothing else to do and hang out and talk to people and i could stay in a place like that for eight or nine hours because i've probably got a lot more in common with people that we we all love music right yeah and martin that does the save the music and yeah martin and his daughter was there the linda lindas happy christmas to the linda linda this is awesome yeah all right so happy christmas and we'll see you next time yep Bye. Bye bye Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. 
That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call. <laughs>